guys, it's Brandon. Uh, I can't really believe this, but today is actually the one-year anniversary of this podcast of Talking Bay 94. I wanted to take some time at the beginning of the episode to thank each and every one of our listeners, our guests, partners, and sponsors for making this first year uh, really a dream come true. To celebrate, uh, I actually partnered with a previous partner, the good people at Order 66 Toys in Allen, Texas, who brought in two former Talking Bay 94 guests, Gerald Holm from Episode 3 and Simon Williamson from Episode 21. Uh, We got to talk to them again, this time live and in person, to tell some of uh, my favorite stories, as well as uh, quite a few new ones in this anniversary episode. Uh, If you're in the Dallas area today, May 22nd, 2019, definitely swing by Order 66 to visit Gerald and Simon for yourself from 12 to 6 today. Um, But on to the show and, and on to another year. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to Talkie Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and this is my conversation with Gerald Holm, who portrayed Squidhead and a Mon Calamari officer, and Simon J. Williamson, who played, respectively, Max Rebo and a Gamorrean guard. So live from Jabba's Palace, this is Talking Bay 94, episode 39, Gerald Holm and Simon J. Williamson, part two. Welcome to a very special episode of Talking B94 live at Order 66 Toys in Allen, Texas. Um, this is a very special like anniversary episode because we are joined by two previous guests, which has never happened before in the history. I'm making a huge exception for you two. Just a huge uh, Mr. Gerald Holm, Mr. Simon J. Williamson, two of my absolute favorites, two denizens of Jabba's Palace, two Mon Cal, live in the flesh. Hi. Hello. 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 Yes. Hello. Great to be here. Hello, Brandon. Well, I, w- I don't want to take too much of y'all's time. But what I would love to do is just talk about your time on set, what it was like for these aliens. Let's start with you, Simon. What was your thought when you first saw the Max Rebo costume, and what did you kind of want to do with it when you were inside? Well, actually, I was going to be playing a character called Six Six before, who was a, a sort of brownie, dark purple uh, character who was a puppet on the floor of Jabba's palace. He didn't have a lot of um, movement possibility within him. You could you could basically uh, puppeteer his body shape. You couldn't. He had uh, six arms and six eyes, uh, but you couldn't articulate the arms. So all you could do really was. Um, make his body move around a bit. So I was a bit disappointed to have him, but he was also a character that Richard Markwin didn't like very much, but George Lucas did. So I think um, Richard Markwin would try and marginalize him at the end edge of a shot, and George would come back and say, oh no, let's you know put him further in. Anyway, I think uh, around about this time, Phil Tippett, who I believe possibly wanted to, or thought he could get inside Max Rebo himself, realized he couldn't or couldn't 
do it and give a performance. So he said, would you like to get inside this character? And I took one look at Max and I thought, oh yes, please. He's bright blue, he's gonna in a largely dark, smoky set, he's really going to uh, stick out. A slight problem was, in a way, that he looked slightly cartoonish compared to some of the other characters, but I thought, well, no, I'll just find a way to, to make him realistic and give him a performance. So I said, yes, please, I'll pay that, and I therefore didn't pay attention to who was left with 6-6. Six -six. And I'm not sure if anyone else did play him in the end, or whether he was just forgotten about. But I got to play Max Rebo, and I was given a tape of the music to go away and listen to the night before. I'm not a pianist, I'm not a musician of any sort, but I, I kind of developed a, an idea for myself about where the, the his rather podgy hands would go in relation to the keyboards, which were fully operational, so you press them, they did go down. And with that music in my mind, I just uh, let rip as Max Rebo. Uh, Red Bull Jet, right? That was the first... Yes, we were having this conversation early before. He was called Red Red Bull Jet on set, which later turned out to be, or they later decided, was the name of the organ which he sits in. So Red Bull Jet became Max Rebo and his organ became Red Bull Jet. Gerald. Sir. One of my favorite facts about the two characters, the Moncal officer and Tessic, mm -hmm. is the fact that their height difference. <laughs> And you've explained to me once, and I would love that we have a kind of a crowd here. Okay. I would love for you to explain how one of your characters can be so much taller okay. than another one of your characters. Okay, Brandon. Well, first of all, apologies for my voice. I've got the flu. I'm talking too much, but I shall try. Well remembered. You remember absolutely everything I ever say to you. It was one of my favorite fan questions. One of them said, uh, with a puzzled look on his face, how come Squidhead is taller than your Mon Calamari officer. And I told him that, well, when an actor is given two parts to play, first of all, he has to decide what is their physicality going to be? What shape are they going to be? Are they going to be bent over, straight up, or whatever? And when you're at drama school, I remember having this very camp costume director, and he said, Gerald, just standing there like a shag on a rock, show off the costume, darling meaning show your costume. If you've got a costume with a cloak can stand so that the cloak covers the costume, you have to throw, throw the cloak back to show it. So when you see Tesek, he's forever throwing his cloak back and holding his hands so you can see the beautiful chest plate and you can see the beautiful costume. Now, when we were auditioning and the producers were watching us move during the rehearsal, I guess they thought, well, he moves quickly He's very hunched over. He's very tall and graceful. And that's how they decided which costume you were going to wear. And if you look at Squidhead's costume, Tessic's costume, it's very flowing and graceful. So I decided that's what the creature is going to be. He's going to be flowing and graceful. And whenever the director said action, I would go as tall as I could to show off the costume. And I'll do it for you physically so you can all see it here. Okay, listeners, I'm standing up now. So if somebody says action, please. Action. Right, so I'm standing on my toes. I'm probably about six inches taller than my, I usually am. So I go back to normal. Now, if you look at the Mon Calamari officer costume, he naturally, Simon knows this, has a little padded belly made of foam, and he's also got a hunched back. I've got a photograph taken in profile, and you can see the costume is actually hunched back. So you take that and you emphasize that. So I decided when the director said action for the Moncal scenes, I was going to make myself as much like this as possible. So it's the difference between Tessek and the Moncal. 
Uh, no, I didn't do that, right? Did I hang on second take? Take two. Action. Tessic. Yep. And do you see what I mean? So there's about a foot's difference if I do it properly. It's the same body, the same Gerald. <laughs> uh, it's just two different characters. Uh, well, speaking of different characters, and one thing that we discussed briefly, and actually I just wrapped up an interview, this is a spoiler alert for people listening, but with Mike Quinn, who you co-puppeteered with yes. some of the characters, Nine Numb especially, but some characters that might have been left on the cutting room floor. Yes. What were some of those? Yeah, I think we called him Ernie Akbar. There was a, a kind of Akbar-like Ernie Akbar we called, who was an alternative. And um, I can't remember what we called another um, Salustran Ten Num, I think we did at the time. But I'd forgotten entirely about having done this. So we had the shot for a day or two, basically on the same set. You know, went from cockpit to cockpit, and we'd uh, just a load of reactions, really, you know, directed off-camera by George. And it was a fan in Denmark, a fan and sometimes convention organizer called Michael Nielsen, who emailed me and said, Simon, is this you? And he had a, a link on the, on the email to the footage from the, the Blu-ray. And there was a Simon being directed off screen, like, oh, do that again, Simon, that was good. And I thought, oh my God, I remember it now. Oh. And actually, it's, I've got one of the few call sheets that I kept from Jedi confirms that as well. It's amazing how you can forget, but that was a sort of straight puppeteering role. I was hired as a puppeteer, yet I quickly got to do stuff that very much went into the same territory as the mimes. I mean, you can't call the Gamorrean guard a puppet, whereas you can call Max Rebo a bit of a puppet. You both shared multiple sets together. You shared Jabba's Palace together. You shared some uh, Mon Cal scenes together. Do you have any memories of working together or any opportunities that you guys had to interact and, and to kind of play off each other in any way? Well, I do. <laughs> I don't think Simon does, but, but I remember talking to him a lot in the yeah. briefing room scenes. We knew each other. Uh, so yeah, I can remember, and I was telling him earlier, I remember being beside him as Squidhead when he was doing Max Repo, and very often looking down, exchanging a few words. So I could see his little face down below there, and we did chat a little bit, not much, because you don't chat when you're on set. If you do chat, it's very in whispered tones. But I certainly remember interacting with him. I remember what Moncal scenes he was in. He yes. doesn't. No. So I no, can't I remember say. what scenes, but I don't remember exactly where I was standing. Right. And in my memory, Caroline Blakeston was facing a different way. But I think that's that's a trick of memory. Yes, I was so behind many years later. You were, you yeah, were, yeah, I was beside you. Yes. What you just said about Max Rebo, well, he wouldn't have got much of a conversation from me as Max Rebo while no, I'm no, in the costume. Mime. Yeah, because kind of I couldn't see in Max Rebo. So unless I knew where you were standing and where to look before I got in, I absolutely couldn't see anything in Max Rebo. And I could hear very little through the, the thick rubber. I had a, an earphone in my right ear to hear action and cut better. So I might have heard a bit, but well, I Well, it was more, when I say we, we had a chat, it was more of a little wave. Oh, yes. Hello, yes. you know, hello, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Yes, it's easy to interact as um, Gamorrean guards because I could see completely there. You have one of the um, rare privileges of a Star Wars actor for appearing simultaneously as two different characters as Gamorrean guards. How did that happen? And two different Gamorrean guards at the same at the same time. You clearly haven't seen the little video I've made because okay. I, I address this specifically with with the shots in mind because I'm the Gamorrean guard who is eaten by the rancor that the camera is facing basically in one direction looking down 
at the about-to-be-eaten Gamorrean guard, as well as other scenes down there in that dungeon set. But you also have the reverse shot, which is a shot as if it was the point of view of the Gamorrean guard looking up. So you see these other creatures and two Gamorrean guards gesticulating wildly while all this is going on. They're shot at different times. So it's a case of, oh, Simon, get back in the Gamorrean guard, this Gamorrean guard costume right. as well. So I'm actually acting opposite myself. One final question for you, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Keeper of the Return of the Jedi alien archives. Okay, okay. Uh, the Rebel Scum Forums. If, if people here are not aware of, of Gerald's Rebel Scum Forum thread, ROTJ Creature History. ROTJ History, Gerald Holmes Creature Info. Google any of those words and you'll find it. It's just my way of trying to address the question of historical accuracy about what it was like acting inside the creature costumes and who was inside the creature costumes. It's not trying to be definitive, but as accurate as possible. Right. And related subjects, other shows I do, conventions I go to, like I was in Canada this year for the first time, and so I've posted video and mm-hmm. photographs from that. It's a way that fans can address me. They can ask me questions, and they do. And they do. Sometimes very difficult to answer, right. uh, because there's a lot I know, right. but I can't say publicly, unless other people say it. Like if someone says, I don't remember I was what I did, and I do remember, it's not for me to say what they did. Right. Do you see what I mean? But yeah, I love it. I love the interaction. Is there anything that you've brought up, at least from the Turn of the Jedi set recently, that you're excited that you got to share with that online audience? Well, one thing that happened at Celebration in Europe, in Germany, when was that, Simon? Four years ago? Five years ago? terrible on dates. It was back then sometime. (laughs) Yes, it was history. I think it was about four or five years ago. I had a list of every performer who was, that's my artist, actor, puppeteer, dancer, stunt people, they're all performers. Uh, everyone who was credited in Return of the Jedi, I'm credited as a mime artist, Simon, as he said, credited as a puppeteer. Believe it or not, there aren't that many, it's less than 100, just 97 credited performers. I have a list of this. I, it came to me by accident, instead of going to my agent, who would deal with it and send me a check. So I happen to know the name of every credited performer who, who had a contract, contracted performer. Not all of them are credited, but they're all contracted. And I gave this to a fan who I know is passionate about tracking people down. And one of the people he tracked down was the blonde in Jabba's palace, uh, who Simon knows and I know. Her name is Amanda Noor, N-O-A-R. And she was named for the first time at the celebration in Essen, in Germany. And... Lucasfilm, curse you, would not let the thing be recorded. So you guys still don't know this, you know? I've got some photographs tomorrow. You can come and have a look. There was always a blonde behind Bib Fortuna, Mike Carter, and she was always slightly behind him. So when we named her in this uh, celebration Europe, Mike Carter, who's very dour Scotsman, he talks like this, very low and sleepy, and... Uh, he went, he was in the panel as well, he went, oh yes, Mandy, yes, she was my girlfriend. Yes, she always stood behind me because she had a pump in her hand. And Simon, I don't know where I'm going to go with the story because I can't say it on air. But anyway, when the director said action, she squeezed this pump. Okay, use your imaginations. And it had a certain effect on the thing around his neck. Use your imagination. Right. So it looked rude, so it had to be cut. 
But then he went on, Mike, and he said, Oh, yes, her father was an optician. Oh, yes, he made my contact lenses. You know, Bibb's red contact. Yes, she came to, with her father to one of the fittings. And in the conversation, <laughs> in the conversation, they found out, the production people found out, she was a dancer. So they said to her, would you like to be a dancer in the scene we're filming next week? So that's how she came to be a dancer in Jabba's Palace. But we didn't know that. And to, it, we only know that because I gave this list to the fan who tracked her down. I love it. Well, uh, Mr. Holm, Mr. Williamson, this is such a treat. This is such an honor. Thank you to Order 66 for making this happen. Um, we'll be posting this Wednesday morning, and if you are in the Dallas area, you will still be in Dallas on Wednesday at Order 66 Toys in Allen, Texas, from 12 to 6, signing autographs. So definitely come on down and say hi to these two wonderful gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Brandon. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you so much, and nice to have uh, another interview with you. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Jason. Thank you again to Mr. Tome and Williamson for being such friends of the show. And a special thanks to the Order 66 team, Heather, Josh, Jeff, and Bobby, for organizing this conversation. Visit Gerald and Simon from 12 to 6 today at their store and check out their website, order66toyshop.com. Gerald can be found on his Rebel Scum forum, link in the show notes, and on geraldhome.com. Simon Williamson can be found on simonjwilliamson.co.uk. Thank you all again for such a great year. Next week, Nine Numb himself, Mr. Mike Quinn, will be on the show. So until then, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the force be with you.